if you don't make sacrifices or compromises for the things that you want, those things become a compromise or those things become the sacrifice. So it essentially choose your discomfort. Like, do I, am I willing to keep doing what I'm doing and, and being here and running into the same dilemma and a little while from now, or am I willing to kind of embrace the discomfort? Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us. Today, we have a very special guest, my one-on-one coach, who I've been with since last January, Ocean Trail. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hey, guys. Great to be on here. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to chat and, uh, yeah, talk about some stuff today. Yeah. Well, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? What do you want us to know about you? (laughs) Oh my goodness, what a broad, deep question. <laughs> I know, who is Ocean Who Trail? are you as a person? <laughs> yes, well, I have recently taken on a couple of new titles. So my name is Ocean Trail. Uh, it's not just an Instagram handle, it's literally my name. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So my name is Ocean Trail. I am a health and fitness coach. I am recently a new mom. I have a six-month-old. I am a wife, a dog mom, and I love teaching people how to eat and train so they look like they lift. Uh, Full-time, like I said, full-time strength and nutrition coach and loving... I feel like this sounds so silly, but I feel like I really am living my best life. I guess that's a good like little intro about me. kind of a fun fact. So I was born in uh, Zimbabwe, Africa, and I moved to the United States in 2002 when I was 12. So I immigrated here from, I guess, essentially like a a dictatorship, um, which is kind of cool that I have that opportunity to come here. I got my US citizenship in 2015. And I was a former student athlete, so I actually swam Division One collegiate swimming for Oregon State University. So I, for my whole life, I've really identified as an athlete. I think my passion for health and fitness really stemmed from being an athlete. And when I graduated college, kind of dove into bodybuilding and learning more about nutrition. And that kickstarted a bunch of stuff that kind of led me to where I'm at today. You said Oregon University, Oregon State? Oregon State, the Beavs, go Beavs. Uh, See, I'm up in like the Seattle area. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love the Pacific Northwest. I oh, grew yes. up in California, lived in Oregon for the past 11 years, and then moved back down here recently. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm also the oldest of four, only girl. And I have three younger brothers. And then my second brother is a police officer, the, the third oldest or the third youngest whatever, the third one in order. He is a firefighter. And then the youngest one actually is, is in the NFL. So pretty... Runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, pretty competitive, pretty athletic family. So I actually first got into swimming. Swimming was my whole life up until I graduated college. But I think when I signed in college with Oregon State, it was just part of the program. Thinking back on it, it was kind of crazy, like how much we did, how much student athletes do in general. But um, so we trained six days a week. Um, We had swimming 
every day, Monday through Saturday, <laughs> and we had one day off, and then uh, we would lift three times. So I guess I started lifting. My first introduction to lifting was via um, strength and conditioning during athletics in college. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I think a lot of that was probably driven by like body image stuff. I was, I like loved aesthetics. Like I loved, I think growing up, like I always saw, you know, fit people and thin, lean people with six packs. A lot of what fueled my initial entry into fitness after, of course, my swimming collegiate career was over was like, how do you get a six pack? What does that entail? (laughs) (laughs) Even though I was a swimmer, like I, I just didn't look like how I wanted to. Yeah. A lot of people experience that. I just want a six pack. I just want to see my abs. And then it just turns into something beautiful. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Always kind of had the itch to pursue aesthetic goals. Didn't really know anything about them. Once swimming came to an end, I sort of pulled that whole like Will Ferrell, like, what do I do with my hands kind of a situation. (laughs) Yeah. At the time I had a, a roommate who had done a bodybuilding competition, a bikini competition. And I was like, damn, like, that's amazing. Like, how do you do that? And uh, decided to like the whole cliche, like go on bodybuilding.com, look up a meal plan, tilapia and asparagus kind of situation. <laughs> and uh, it was like, cool. Like I could do a bikini prep. Like I could do that. Um, and I prepped myself for a bikini competition in 12 weeks. By yourself? Y- yep. By myself. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I can do that. Like, that seems easy. <laughs> you just got to work out and you got to eat clean at the time. Right. <laughs> and so I, um, you know, I'm a very like self motivated person. And so I figured I was like, well, let's just do it. So prep myself for a bikini competition, no, you know, knowledge about like anything to do with competing. And I, I guess luckily for me is that I had 20 years base of swimming. Mm-hmm. And so I actually had a good amount of muscle without even really knowing it. And so when I lost body fat, everything just like popped. I had like the, almost like the dream experience, right? Like I had to do one diet and then like have the body of your dreams, essentially. I do want to like put in like during the background of all of this was just the most awful like relationship with food. I was going to ask about that. I understood how to lose the weight and like eat clean and like very restrictive and having, I think having that athlete mindset, I was like, okay, yeah, you just eat like tilapia and broccoli, you eat good foods and you don't eat bad foods. And it was very like, Mm -hmm dichotomous, like it's this way or it's this way. And once my bodybuilding prep had ended, I actually kind of went back to my normal life, but then I didn't have swimming a part of it. And so I actually like gained to me, it felt like a lot of body fat, like just a lot of cellulite. I wasn't, I, I wasn't able to maintain that extreme physique that I was doing. And I was doing to get down to competition prep. I was doing like two hours of cardio a day. I was lifting six days a week, no days off leg day every day, kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. So because I had no idea what I was doing, I was doing too much. And like I said, because I had that great muscle base from those years of swimming, I just looked great. And I kind of disregarded how it felt because I was like, I look great. I look great, you know? So (laughs) anyway, in the background of this whole pursuing bodybuilding thing, I think a lot of it was like, definitely developed disordered patterns with food. It was very much like, okay, well, if I'm not I need to be able to maintain this leanness. And, you know, it started to like really impact a lot of other things in my life, my sleep, my libido, my personal life, having been a former athlete, like I 
didn't ever go home during college because I always had swim season was like over the winter. And so if I got to go home, it was like always for a couple of like maybe two days. And I remember like once my swimming career ended, I went when I got to opportunity to go home, I was like always at the gym. And so it like impacted my personal life and that I just never I was just so so self-absorbed um, and focused on what I was doing that I I missed out on like I'm, you know, in hindsight, like some really cool core memories with my family because I was so obsessed with like needing to go to the gym and focus on how I looked and my aesthetics and, you know, just not enjoying food because I, that it would make me fat. So Mm. anyway, that was 2014, 2015, learned all about macros, the wonderful world of macros with the help of a coach learned, you know, I didn't have to do a meal plan that I can incorporate flexible dieting. I got just as lean and just as shredded as I had done via my clean eating prep, but I had done it in a way that now was like, oh, I can incorporate Oreos if I want to. But then, you know, my diet quickly shifted from being very like nutrient dense and clean, you know, so to speak, to low calorie, but like fitting junk in to hit my macros. So I kind of like swung it in the opposite direction where I'd be like, I can have like this whole tub of Arctic Zero for dinner, you know, and without like much regard to like, incorporating as many plants and stuff as I should. So anyway, it was a, it was a big swing and you, you'll notice like now my language is very shifted around food. Like before it was very much like good or bad, fattening, unhealthy. And I feel like my approach and um, knowledge has expanded through tracking and then not tracking of just being able to operate from like an all abundance mindset with food. I definitely look at food as an all-inclusive diet, a diet, AKA the way that we eat. So bodybuilding like really kickstarted my trajectory into health and fitness. It started out as wanting to really like look lean and in the pursuit of that, realizing that's actually not what made me happy. And, you know, I, you know, got second at the competition, got the same feedback, like you need more muscle, essentially, if you wanted to compete in figure. So I was like, all right, cool. So I ended up continuing to work with that coach and decided, you know what, like, I really want to, I'm, I'm a competitive bitch. Like I really want <laughs> to do well at this. Like I want to win. Like I what does it take to win? And the coach, my coach at the time, um, he had said, well, you definitely need more muscle. So let's, you know, invest in a building phase. Uh, this is what this looks like. And fast forward three years of being focused on a building phase, we would do like a year build and then like three to four month cut and then put that on repeat for like three years. Going into a build phase was like, simultaneously like the scariest thing I ever did, but like the best thing I could have ever done going from like that. I need to be lean mindset to gaining body fat was such a mind trip. Like I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, just always having a poor relationship with food, a poor relationship with the scale, being afraid of those things. And so being working with a coach, like intentionally focusing on breaking through those barriers, like understanding, you know, that, food doesn't have like moral value, all that stuff, not being afraid to even go out to eat if I couldn't track it, for example, like, those are all things that I worked on over the course of those three years. And periodizing my nutrition and training with that coach and gained like a ton of muscle, I got incredibly, Mm -hmm. incredibly jacked. And then 2018 came around and I just decided I, I actually got proposed to which was very exciting. My husband proposed to me, I think actually might have been 2017 during the solar eclipse um, in oh, Oregon cool. at the time. 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was super cool. I was, you know, like at that point I would say I was like living the sustainably jacked lifestyle. Like I was like training hard. I was, I mean, I was mostly tracking, but I was embracing like untracked like days in the week, just like really like having like a flexible lifestyle decided, you know what? Like, I actually don't know if I want to compete again. I love the way that I look, but like, maybe like there's other things outside of being like super anal with my nutrition um, (laughs) and my, and my workouts. And so anyway, segued into getting married and kind of just like diving into life and, you know, just realizing that, you know, all the things that you, you constantly talk about is like, you know, life is way better, a couple pounds higher than my leanest body. The the trade-offs that that requires is certainly not worth it, but it's, it's like I said, I've gone, I went from like one extreme to the other and then kind of landed in the middle. Yeah. And I think it's cool, the balance that you bring to social media in particular between like, you can have aesthetic goals, you can work for this stuff and also have that life, live a life that is fulfilling and open and not like claustrophobic and like restrictive and all of that and still work for some like pretty badass physique stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things in there that jumped out to me. And and one of them was that the knowledge that you gained from tracking. And I think that is like an intentional mindset that people have to choose because a lot of people automatically assume maybe from experience of like being super anal and rigid about it, that tracking is automatically like this restrictive, horrible thing that you have to do if you ever want to get anywhere kind of deal. Right. But instead it's this really cool tool to, I was listening to Afternoon Snack, um, which is Tactic Nutrition's podcast, Meredith Root and her wife, whose name I'm forgetting, I'm sorry. But they were talking about like their programming is not to like follow the macros. Their programming, you follow the macros, but you also like learn what's in your food. So you don't have to worry about that in life, you know? And that's such a huge thing that I think people miss out on because there's so much emphasis on the numbers instead of like, okay, this, this meal has this protein, these plants, and it makes me feel this way. Totally. Well, it's, it's funny that you should say that. Like I was having breakfast this morning and I, you know, currently in a season of postpartum, not tracking my macros, just really practicing like informed eating. I tracked macros religiously to the gram like to the gram where I would like weigh out my piece of bread. Okay. (laughs) Like that kind of accuracy. (laughs) So I feel like I have a great base, a great knowledge about like tracking macros. And anyway, I was having oatmeal this morning and it really got me thinking, like, as I was putting in my chunky peanut butter into my bowl, you know, I, I thought to myself like, wow, like it's so cool to see how much I've grown and changed and evolved in my fitness journey. Like, you know, how it started was, should I have this? Is it fattening? Like, what is this going to do? Like, I don't really, peanut butter is a lot of calories. It's a, it's a high fat food. That's bad for me. Right. Then segueing into, Oh, cool. Like I can incorporate peanut butter into my diet. Like when I started like learning about macros, like I can incorporate peanut butter into my diet. Like, look, like I can, this is a serving size. And then it kind of even went a little bit more into like, Oh, I'm in a prep. Now I need to replace the peanut butter with powdered peanut butter. And then that's kind of how it went. And then how it's going is like, this amount of peanut butter looks good. I don't give a shit about how much it weighs. That's just how much I want. And if I don't want to finish my bowl, I don't, you know? So I feel like 
the best thing I ever did for my food relationship was learning how to track macros and understand like the in and outs of nutrition. And the second best thing I did was stop doing that. But also recognizing that if I ever wanted to do something specific again, like a fat loss phase or a build phase, I would 100% go back to tracking macros and sharpening that tool, so to speak. Um, Because I mean, you know, what gets measured gets managed. Like, I do feel like I have a pretty good grasp on things. But you know, when you're in a deficit, like that stuff does matter. And being able to truly know where you're at, it matters. So I think if anybody is like interested in like learning about nutrition, you certainly don't have to track macros. Um, You don't have to do anything, you know, you do you. But I think being able to actually like educate yourself and feel informed and not in fear of food is just so incredibly empowering. I actually have a post um, on my Instagram that's like, should you track macros and a, a pros and cons list of it. But, you know, I think tracking macros doesn't have to be something that you do forever. But I think it's kind of one of those things like learning how to do it can be a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, you have that tool in your back pocket to whip out if you ever want to like really dial something in, then you can. Absolutely. I think tracking macros, like, it can be whatever you want it to be. If you make it like crazy, like you can turn it into a diet. You can turn it into a sustainable diet mindset. Yeah, you absolutely can. I I think it's kind of what you make it and like the mindset that you approach it with. And typically, you know, I think being able to look at macros with like flexibility and fluidity um, as like flexible structure um, and informed eating, right? Rather than like, like you were saying, like a, a diet essentially. It's just a way to use numbers to guide how you build meals throughout the day by understanding, you know, that protein's important, fiber is important, being able to understand like there's no good or bad foods. Food is food is food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some have more nutrients, some have less nutrients, some are more calorie dense, some are less calorie dense. You can go out to eat and still hit your macros. If you're in a diet, if you're in a in a diet, if you're in a calorie deficit that will be a little bit harder if you're trying to see progress, but it's not impossible. So anyway, tangent there, but uh, yeah, macros (laughs) are great. It's not the only tool for the job, I guess. Yeah. So sustainably jacked is your thing, which I love. And you kind of explained a little bit what that was in your own lifestyle, but what, describe that. What is that? Yeah. You know, I think sustainably jacked for me was born from the messy middle of doing extremes of like not knowing anything and like doing clean eating. And then also like the mix of like bodybuilding, which is another extreme and an unsustainable lifestyle. So for me, like sustainably jacked means being able to understand how to eat and fuel yourself for a goal that you're aiming towards. For most people, it's building muscle, losing body fat and then jacked. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I still don't love aesthetic goals. I love having juicy delts and, you know, capped shoulders and a booty to match a V taper. (laughs) So I, I love, um, for me, like sustainably jacked means being able to like marry an informed eating approach with a periodized structured training program and being able to understand like the in and outs of all of the above in a way that just like makes sense for you and your lifestyle. And if anybody here follows me or, I'm sure you'll catch me talking a lot about being a good self coach. And so to me, sustainably jacked also means, you know, just being informed about your process, like understanding like the hows, the what's and the whys, 
you know, I guess my motto is like, I teach people how to eat and train. So they look like they lift without giving up their life. And a big part of that is like coaching that meets you where you're at and then gets you to where you want to go to, which is kind of everything that I've chatted about. It's just feeling confident in your approach with your nutrition, with your training in your everyday and with your food relationship. It's kind of a broad scope and it's the messy middle between all of those things. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, I had this thought pop into my head and I don't know where it came from, but it's this idea that everybody's like looking for balance all the time. They're just searching and striving for balance, but it's, it's not something that you find like a penny on the sidewalk. It's an active practice to cultivate that in your life. And sometimes your life is messy. Sometimes you can dial it in and really head for what you want to achieve. And I know you as a new mom have experienced that in a very (laughs) glaring way more recently (laughs) in this new season of your life, which is something that I love how you talk about honoring the season that you're in. You know, sometimes you're going to be able to turn up a little bit and really be focused on specific things. And then other times in life, you have a baby (laughs) where you cannot. (laughs) So talk to me about that, about honoring the season that you're in, whatever that is, you know, cut, maintenance, build, postpartum, pregnancy, all of that. Absolutely. You know, I think that life definitely has ebbs and flows with seasons. There's going to be an ebb and flow of energy, capacity, understanding like what that looks like for you in the season that you're in. So asking yourself, like, what's the goal? Where am I right now? What what do I want to do? And ha- having gone through like very different seasons of, I-, I guess the typical like periodized seasons in nutrition are first and foremost, I guess everybody knows that is the calorie deficit. <laughs> It's what everybody wants to do all the time. <laughs> everybody just perpetually is on that hamster wheel. And then there's yeah. the building phase, which I love is becoming a new thing, certainly more prevalent than it's ever been. You know, people pursuing gains and wanting to stop being small all the time, um, which is great. I love that. And then there's the overlooked but very necessary phase of maintenance. And then we also have the, se- you know, other seasons like postpartum pregnant or rehabbing or recovering from injury. So um, I think being able to understand like, you know, the season that you're in and what that requires of you or like what that season demands and being able to sit comfortably in that season, being a new mom, six months postpartum currently, I think there's an old narrative that you should get your body back that moms that bounce back quickly have their shit together, so to speak. And Honestly, I've just been so, I feel like I've been like slowly drowning in motherhood in not a negative way, but it's just, it's just all consuming. So thinking about like adding another stress to my plate, that is a calorie deficit is just not even, not even a consideration, not even a thought, but you know, I think being able to just know that just know that about myself, like doing a season of fat loss is just not in the cards and just like really leaning into what I know makes me feel good, which is fueling and nourishing my body, getting sleep where and when I can, and just continuing to have like really good, like core foundational habits in place um, and being consistent with those and recognizing that, you know, what I used to be able to do isn't what I 
am able to do now, but that doesn't mean that the, what I'm doing now is bad or it's negative in any way, shape or form, like less doesn't have to mean negative. It's just different. And so being able to give myself a lot of grace through that, I, I will admit, you know, going from like the best on paper or in a picture aesthetic season of my life to this current season of just looking and feeling differently has been a huge, like hard pill to swallow. But also, you know, I would almost argue now that even though I don't look as lean and as jacked as I did two months before I got pregnant, I feel very grounded in who I am and myself. And I feel like I have almost a better relationship with my body and appreciation. I'm certainly don't you know, love the stretch marks and the cellulite that came along with pregnancy and postpartum. But 10 years ago, Ocean would have would have seen all that and just sobbed like uncontrollably about, you know, looking this way. But for me right now, I'm just like, eh, it's okay. Just who I am. It's like, it's like the hair on my head. It's just like part of who I am. And it's part of my story. And we talked about like, if I ever wanted to do a fat loss phase when it made sense and felt right, Cause I, like I said, I'm very goal oriented. I love having specific goals. And for right now, the specific goal is just to be a really good mom and to uh, show up for my clients and to just enjoy my life. And a, a deficit isn't really a part of that. And when that itch comes, I will probably scratch it. I will definitely go through a checklist of like, am I doing this for the right reasons? But I think I'm so sure of myself that it's never like I'm doing it out of like, I want to change my body and negative way rather just like I'm excited about challenging myself to do something different. Mm -hmm. What I'm picking up in your overall story, but especially now is that you're okay letting your body fluctuate and your, your confidence doesn't tank because you don't have a certain aesthetic. Like you're, you're very, your sense of self is very strong. Like, you know who you are, you know what you want. And the fact that you're body fat percentage is fluctuating really doesn't have a bearing on that. Totally. I think it's one of those things that it, it wasn't always that way, but I think through investing in honestly a build phase and then having just like the utmost like support and communication with a coach, because I worked with my coach for like almost five years, which, uh, you know, a lot of times people will hire a coach and think like, Oh, like you just hire them for like fat loss, you know, like for me, like hiring a coach wasn't ever about to this. I mean, it was to help me get to a place, but I think it was just more so like having support through a process and like being able to have someone that was, what's that movie? She's the man. She's like from a completely unbiased third party opinion with no personal interest in the matter. Like (laughs) just, just like having someone that was invested in me, obviously I was financially paying them, but someone that was invested in me um, and helping me get to a goal, like, and it could help me like get perspective on the bigger picture of like what I was working towards was always helpful. And I think I've always just valued having a coach, especially like I said, being an athlete, like I always grew Mm -hmm. up with a coach, like several coaches with my swimming, with strength and conditioning. So it kind of was a no brainer to do it, which is why I I don't know why I did it the first place. I think I just like had all this time on my hands when swimming was over. I was like, (laughs) I think I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) It, d- it didn't come easy. It wasn't the first thing for me. I, I definitely struggled a lot with like body image, you know, and, and I, and I think a lot of that truly was no fault of my mother's or anyone's in particular, but I think the culture that was very like reinforced of like being thin is good, being skinny is best. And um, that was like projected generationally, like my grandmother onto my mother, my mother onto me with 
not like a cruel not intention. maliciously yeah no but just like this is just the way that it is and so yeah. growing up and like seeing like my mom do diets and i was like oh well that's what's i'm the only girl like i should have salads like mom's eating you know mm-hmm. so now that i'm a mom myself i am just so excited to cultivate you know a relationship i i, I want oliver my son to have a relationship with food that he doesn't even have to think about because that's just the way that he is, you know, like he yeah. doesn't think about that. It's a thing. It's just like, that's just the way that I eat and it's an all-inclusive diet and we don't talk about things in a negative way. And pizza's pizza, cake is cake, brownies are brownies, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's it. So I'm, I'm really excited to feel so rooted in, you know, that in myself and to impart that onto him. So that way we can kind of break the cycle. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I love that. It has to break somewhere. (laughs) It really does. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, success is like built on failures, but you know, I wouldn't say like anything I did was like a failure. It was rather just like epic learning experience of finding what did not feel good. Mm -hmm. Brooke had to dip out for an appointment, but she always says there's no failure. There's only feedback. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it too, because it's true. Like, We may fail at tasks every once in a while. Everybody does. We're human. But that doesn't mean like it's all for naught, you know, we've we can still pick things out of it that we can learn from and do better, practice doing better. It's never like a a switch flips and everything's, you know, fine and dandy with no struggles or (laughs) problems at all whatsoever. It's just we learn and we try again and we fail better. And sometimes, you know, it really is that like, you take one step backward to take two steps forward. And, you know, sometimes you'll question like why that's happening. And that thrashiness of the discomfort is part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I talk a lot about leaning into discomfort. And that's like, literally the only way to grow or get anywhere is to be okay with being a little bit uncomfortable. Because where you are is, I mean the populations we talk to where they are is not where they want to be. So if they want to change, then they have to lean into being a little bit uncomfortable. And that's scary. Right. But it's not impossible. And the empowerment that comes through that, like you were talking about with just lifting and building and like stepping into the unknown of like, oh, I'm putting on weight here. (laughs) I don't know about this. But on the other end, it's like, this is awesome. I did it. I didn't die. I learned a ton and I can just keep going up. hundred percent. I love that like TikTok audio. That's like, Oh, that's a bad bitch. I wish people <laughs> like celebrated like that more when they were in building phases, you know, like if they were hopping on the scale and they saw a higher number, like, hell yeah, that's exactly what we want. That's exciting. Yeah. And going back to like change and like mindset, I think if you don't, make sacrifices or compromises for the things that you want, those things become a compromise or those things become the sacrifice. So it's just like being able to essentially choose your discomfort. Like, do I, am I willing to keep doing what I'm doing and, and being here and running into the same dilemma and a little while from now, or am I willing to kind of embrace the discomfort? And I think 
being objective about the process and like almost like removing emotion out of it can be very grounding for you. And again, cue working with a coach, you know, I think being able to like have, and it doesn't even have to be a coach, but like, you know, maybe a mentor or like a, a friend who is able to hold you accountable or offer perspective through a process. But big fan of like, don't do it alone <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's the journey well traveled is with a buddy. Yeah. Even like during a training session, if you're like in the middle of a calorie deficit, if you're questioning, if it's still what you want when you're uncomfortable, you know, like your clothes are fitting tighter in a build when you're like, damn, I'm, I'm really full at the end of the day, <laughs> being a good, a good self coach and like understanding like the process being like, oh, in fact, this is a good thing. So being a good self coach, what are some pointers that you can give for doing that? Besides just trying to remain objective and not being emotional about our current fleeting feelings. <laughs> you know, I think being a good self-coach is being able to like understanding yourself, like know thyself, right? So like finding that sweet spot between grit and grace, like understanding that like there's going to be seasons of your life where being gritty, like, okay, I've committed to a goal. It requires me to do this. But today I slept like ass. I'm just not feeling great. You know, maybe even though I have these goals in the background, just because I'm choosing not to do it. And, and reminding yourself that everything's a choice. Like no one has a gun to your head saying that you have to do these things. Like you are the driver of your boat, but rather just like being able to understand, okay, I want to be gritty to accomplish my goal. But like, that doesn't mean I still can't have grace and like understand that my timeline can shift and that there's no rush to this process. Being a good self-coach is like being able to understand that getting quote there with your goals is going to most likely be a moving target in the pursuit of things too, is like understanding that there's like reasons and there's excuses and like knowing the difference between those for yourself. Mm. Go deeper in that. That's big. Reasons and excuses is being able to be like, am I like, or even on days that you like, should I go to the gym today? I don't feel like motivated. I don't, and we can go on a tangent about like motivation as well (laughs) with that. But an excuse would just be like, everything checks out. Like I slept well, I ate well, I feel pretty good. I just mostly don't want to go. If you didn't go to the gym and using motivation as an excuse versus like, if you didn't sleep well, you know, maybe you're really stressed out at work, who knows what's going on? Like that could be a valid reason. And so being able to decide like, are you doing something because you think you should? Are you doing something because you have a reason? Are you doing, are you making an excuse? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I've said recently too, like some, some excuses are pretty good reasons. Something I'm sure you can relate to. Your baby woke you up seven times last night. You slept like garbage. You're, you're extremely tired and crabby and okay, that's fine. Maybe don't go to the gym. But if you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and you're feeling some type of way, I'd be willing to bet the better decision would be to just suck it up and go. You'd probably feel right. better afterwards. <laughs> you would 100% feel better afterwards. Yeah. It's it's usually the workout that the, most of the time the workouts that you don't want to do end up almost being the best sessions. When you can do that self-checklist of like, what's my reasoning for not going? And oftentimes if it's just because I don't feel like it, not that that isn't a, a valid reason either, but if everything checks out and you have things that you're working towards, even if it's just like, holding yourself accountable and keeping promises to yourself, then you should probably go. I hate using the word should, you know, I think shoulds and have tos are really like part of being a good self-coach deciding like, does this serve me? Maybe like it doesn't serve me currently, but I I think it will my future self. And so I'm going to honor that. 
Mm-hmm. I love what you said about every season that we're in has something hard to it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a level of acceptance there too, right? If you're in a deficit, you accept that there's going to be a low level of hunger and it's just a thing that you have to be okay with. Right. If you're in a build, you have to accept that scale's going to go up, clothes are going to fit tighter. Like you're going to have to push it in the gym because that stimulus needs to be there to get the muscle, not just the food. Mm-hmm. You know, maintenance can be hard because people see it as a stall or a stagnation, but it's just accepting that like, this is what it is. And then choosing what attitude you're going to have about it, which is a thing that I've seen more recently from in certain Facebook groups that I'm in is that people decide to go into these phases and then they just complain about them the whole time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts on that because we're probably on the same page here. It's like, if you choose to focus on all the negative things, that's all you're going to see. And then it's just going to be blown out of proportion. And then of course it's going to suck and be extra hard. Right. No, I mean, it's that saying, right? Like the grass is greener where you water it. I'm sure you've heard that other, like, I'm going to butcher exactly how it's told, but basically there's a grandfather and his son, you know, sitting around a fire talking about life. And the grandfather says to his grandchild, there's two wolves within us. One is greed, jealousy, anger, hate, basically all the negative things in the world. And the other side, there's empathy and happiness and hope and all the good things. And the grandson says, oh, well then, you know, which wolf wins? Cause they're both fighting. The grandfather says, oh, which one you feed? And so I think that pertains to like thoughts as well. Like the more you think negatively and like, woe is me, like this is so hard, the heavier and harder it's going to feel and vice versa. You know, you know, I, I do think there is some validity to like trying to be positive, but in a non-toxic, like toxic positivity is a thing, but mm-hmm. being able to do it from like a lens of like, yeah, you know, let's try to be upbeat about the situation. Again, reminding yourself that like, no one is making you do this. Like you're doing, hopefully it's your decision for you and what you want and understanding that sometimes to get the things that you want, you have to do the things that you don't want to do, you know, and kind of going back to like, choose your discomfort, you know, like sometimes you do the things that you don't want to do to avoid the consequences of like, what that could look like. I don't like get off on like brushing my teeth or like, (laughs) you know, taking out the garbage or washing my car or like going to the DMV, which I have to do soon. But you know, I I don't do those things because I love them. I do those things to almost like avoid the consequences of not doing them. And that's not to say that like, you should only care about your health and fitness because you're like scared of what the negative things can be, but rather just like, it's so nuanced. You have to understand that like, if I want to be around a long time, if I want to feel good in my body, if you don't give a shit about your aesthetics, if you don't give a shit about any of that, you should give a shit about your life and like your well-being. It's so empowering to like choose your adventure and then do it, right? And it goes back to partly like making sure your goals are coming from you and not yep. from like, I don't know, a history of comments from somebody else or what you think you should be. But choosing something and then knocking it out of the park. It's hugely empowering. And even if you, you know, detour and decide, well, that's not exactly what you want, then that's fine too. Like you said, nobody's holding a gun to your head, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Choosing your own adventure, making it what you want to and reaching out to people there. I mean, Iris is 
such a great like motivator and so a wealth of knowledge when it comes to health and fitness, just being able to also follow, even if you aren't like mind, but like, if you were like, I really want to start to look at things in a positive light, like looking at people who do promote neutral messaging and positive messaging in a way that's not shamey or rooted Mm -hmm. in like negativity, just because I do feel like a lot of health and fitness is that way. And on social media in general too, I feel like there is that side that's very shamey about food and nutrition choices. And like, you go to the grocery store and look at all these saturated fats, like do the perimeter of the grocery men store. in grocery stores. Yes, please don't. <laughs> yeah. Please stay away. Then you also have the other side, which I think is almost disguised as health, but it's like the bodybuilding community very much like, well, yeah, weigh and track your food deficit for long periods of time. Oh, I look great, but they don't share that they actually feel like death, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- there's that side of it and uh, being able to kind of find yourself in the middle there. Like if you do have aesthetic goals, understanding, yeah, maybe getting that lean or doing that, the juice is probably not worth the squeeze. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out. Appreciate your time. Got some good juicy bits in here that I'm excited to share. Tell people where they can find you, follow you, do your group programming because you have group training now, right? Correct. Yes. So I will be on Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm at mostly. There's only one ocean trail, ocean.trail. <laughs> Sustainably Jacked is my gym and at home programming for people who want to get jacked in three or four days. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be opening up a new offer of a three day at home and a four day at home offer, as well as a self paced 12 week dumbbell program for my new mamas out there who or honestly, just anyone who, you know, wants to be consistent with working out, but doing a group program that is structured, like that you have to do lifts three times a week doesn't always work for your schedule. So being able to have a self-paced program where you can push pause and not feel like you can see a missed workout, you know, you, you can just adjust the timeline to when it works for you. So I think being a new mom myself, lifting three to four days a week, doesn't always happen. And if I see like a missed workout, because I'm following, if I was like following a structured program, I know a couple of my clients have shared that they kind of beat themselves up about, man, I, I fell off. Like I'm not in Mm. sync with the group. So being able to have a program that's self-guided, but it's still rooted in sending me form videos, communicating with me. So that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks and excited about that. That's cool. That's exciting. I like that. I love that it's geared towards not falling off or starting over. I I hate that starting over kind of mentality, which is a tangent for another time. But A tangent for another time. Yes, it was so great uh, chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, hopefully the listeners will follow our train of thoughts. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure they will. Thank you again, Ocean. And uh, everybody else, we'll talk to you same time, same place. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at GetYouABrooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice.